0: If you will, turn in your Bibles to the 29th chapter, the book of Ezekiel, as we continue our study through the Word. So we had come to this place, chapters 25 through 32, where we are seeing the judgment upon the seven different Gentile nations. And and back in chapter 25, we see... Ammon and Moab and Edom and Philistia. So four of those proclamations happen right in that first chapter, and and then we saw the nation of Tyre, and and Tyre received three chapters. There was the The proclamation that was against it in the 26th chapter and then the 27th chapter was a a, a lamentation for Tyre and then chapter 28, one that we looked at last time, you will remember that it now had a proclamation against the king of Tyre. And then we recognized and saw uh, how that king of Tyre flipped uh, from the earthly king of Tyre, to the satanic force that was behind it, to Satan himself and and so the proclamation and the the judgment against the we know of the demonic realm through what the Word of God teaches us and instructs us in these things, things that we would not know that we would not understand or or recognize we have no way of knowing these things if they were not revealed to us and and taught to us, but we we know that the demonic realm is real we know that the demonic realm is organized in rank and in file we know that uh, that the leader uh, is, uh, is satan and uh, we know that the demons are fallen angels uh, angels that at one time worshiped god there uh, in heaven and satan led that rebellion against god pride entered into his heart And he wanted to be worshipped. He was the beautiful cherubim. Many believe that he was the the, the one that led worship there in heaven, directed the worship to God. But but as he was directing the worship to God, he himself wanted to be the object of uh, worship. And and so he sows the seeds of rebellion. And we don't know much about that rebellion. Fascinating. Fascinating rebellion there in heaven with the angels. We we do know that he was able to convince one-third of the angels uh, to join him and to revolt, rebel m- uh, against God. We see that there was a judgment by God upon Satan that he was cast down to this earth Isaiah talks about how he fell I saw Satan fall like a lightning bolt from uh, from heaven and he was cast down to uh, to earth we we know that Uh, That one day uh, Satan is going to be mm, captured, he is going to be bound up, uh, uh, and that will be at the end of the tribulation period, he will be bound and then uh, he will be cast down into the mm, abuso, prison. And he will sit there for a thousand years. And that thousand years of his incarceration there, the world is going to be free of his influence. It's going to be the the millennial reign of Christ. It's when the lion is going to lie down uh, with the lamb, when men will no longer war with one another, when Jesus Christ is going to rule in righteousness, when mankind will dwell with one another in in peace, the way that God had intended. it to be and and so what a, a glorious time that is going to be. The administration over the earth is going to be the uh, the church and the saints. We will return back with the Lord and and we will administrate His government across the uh, the globe. So you might be praying about where you get to administrate uh, here. I think Hawaii is already coveted, uh, you know, uh, by many saints, but. Uh, but we're going to rule and reign with them for that thousand years. And, and then Satan is going to be let out again. And what's going to happen is once again, he is going to tempt. Uh, and the tempter is going to tempt now you have all of those people that were born during that millennial reign uh, of christ and uh, and so uh, those are going to uh, to be the ones that are going to be the object of the temptation of satan and and we see that that there are going to be those that are going to follow him and he's going to lead a rebellion against Jesus Christ and there is going to be one final battle that is going to take place And, and then we see that that final rebellion is going to be put down and, and Satan is then going to be finally judged. He will be chained up and cast into the lake of fire and and there uh, he will spend all uh, eternity. And that is when the the earth now, this sin-stained, fallen earth that we live in uh, is now going to be destroyed. It's going to be purged. It's going to be burned with fire. It's been defiled. And, and God is going to create a new heaven. And a new earth and and that is going to be the eternal state and and we will enter into that glorious eternal state and and in that eternal state there there will be no sun or moon, there will be no need uh, for them the The light uh, in heaven will just simply be the glory uh, of god himself will uh, will illuminate uh, heaven and and how glorious that uh, is going to be so uh, we see that the word of god gives us the uh, the instruction on satan and uh, his beginning he was a created being his fall and and ultimately his end uh, as uh, well but uh, but for now w- we still wrestle against some powers and principalities and and wickedness that is in high places and and we don't completely understand the the titanic clashes in between the uh, the uh, the demonic realm and the angelic realm and and the dominions of authority and and all it is interesting you'll remember when Daniel prays to uh, to God and then 21 days he is uh, waiting, and and we discover that uh, that Gabriel had been sent the day that Daniel had prayed, but he was arrested. By the the demonic prince of persia and and held captive an archangel held in captive for twenty one days until finally Gabriel uh, or Michael the Archangel was sent now uh, to go and to release him and and he finally gets into daniel and and so there's many things that we uh, that we don 't know you know one thing that is oftentimes asked is how many demons do you think uh, that there are in the world that are in existence and you know in the in the old question you know how many angels can dance on the tip of a pin, you know, and, and all that. How, how many demons? I remember the best answer that I ever heard was, I don't know how many evil demons there are, but I know we got them outnumbered two to one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I like that. We got two good angels for everyone, bad angels, so the numbers are on our side. But, you know, we, we are going to wrestle against you know, the world, Satan in our flesh, every single Christian, you've got three battle fronts that are going on in our lives and and that is what we are going to to navigate through and so last time we saw the the final uh, judgment and proclamation on Tyre. As we come now to this chapter, as we begin uh, here in chapter 29, we are going to see that, uh, that for the next four chapters, there's one nation that now is going to be the topic of these next uh, four chapters, and that is going to be Egypt. Uh, and so, you know, Egypt has a long history with the nation of Israel, and, and how the patriarchs had gone down into Egypt, how he, even Abraham had gone down uh, into Egypt uh, as well, and uh, and how the nation was formed there, and then how God, using Moses, brings the nation out and and leads them into the promised land. But But Egypt is always a type of the world it's a type of the the world and so you know we have our flesh we have the world and we haven't seen we have the three realms that we battle with and so our flesh our carnality the 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 world when you got saved when i got saved we got called out of the world out of Egypt uh, we uh, we came, but then there is always that temptation to go back to Egypt, to fall back to Egypt, to go back to the comforts of Egypt—the the leeks and the onions and the lox and the garlic and and all and and and. and Egypt speaks about our our own pride. it speaks about our own independence, our own wanting to do things on our own to resort and to do things in our own strength with our with our own might rather than complete dependence upon god and and so we see the the struggle with the egypt and and we see that nationally the the nation of egypt also instructs us typologically of that of that struggle that that we face you know the the nation of israel is being threatened by uh, by the babylonians and, and and so what do they do rather than trusting in the god that delivered them out of egypt and destroyed egypt when it was the uh, the world power with pharaohs and his chariots and and, and all they turn to the world they turn to Egypt to come to their aid and to help them defend them against the uh, the Babylonians and in and and on, we see the uh, the alliances that the nation of Israel was uh, was turning to rather than turning to God and it is instructive in in, in your life and in my life and and I want you to know, that Pastor Chuck, something that, that, that he always used to say, you know, is that God will let you fight your own battles in your own strength. He will let you as long as you're going to use your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own influence, your own, you know, resources and, and, and all, and you are going to fight your battles. God lets you fight your battles. He says, but God is willing to fight those battles if, if you will turn the battle over to him. You know, we pray, you know, and we sing the battle belongs to the Lord, right? But so oftentimes we don't actually give the Lord the, the battle. We insert ourselves in there. And, and if we're going to insert ourselves in, then God steps back. And God says, okay, you, you have at it. And, and when you want me to step in. You know, I will step in, and so we see here now that that Egypt has so much typology here, so much history that's uh, that is in it that that we're going to see four chapters that are going to take different aspects of the judgment that is going to come upon Egypt, and uh, and so uh, we begin here in the first verse now of chapter twenty nine. And it says, And in the tenth year, in the tenth month, on the twelfth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. And, and and so we are going to see that there are going to be seven prophecies against Egypt over the course of these four chapters here. And this first one was given the 10th year, the 10th month on the 12th day. And so uh, that date is about January 5th. Uh, 587 BC, and it was about a year after the siege of Jerusalem began. Uh, And so the siege had started, the fall of Jerusalem hadn't taken place yet, but the siege was already taking place there, the Babylonians uh, up against uh, the uh, uh, in Jerusalem. And, and so this now was the proclamation against uh, Egypt. The Pharaoh at that time was uh, Pharaoh Hopra, uh, and he reigned from about 589 to about 570 B.C. And and one of the things that he had entered into was this alliance with Judah. Uh, and the alliance uh, with them uh, had caused uh, them to to break with Babylon. And so now we see here that not only Egypt, but, uh, but also uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is singled out uh, for judgment. We see that there were still some in Judah uh, and some that were there in Jerusalem that hoped that Egypt would rescue them from the Babylonians that the Egyptians were going to bring their army and march it up and break the siege that, uh, that, that the Babylonians had laid uh, against uh, Jerusalem there. And so, you know, they're still holding out this hope for this uh, alliance that, uh, that had taken place. And, and so and here we see that in verse three, uh, speak and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers, who has said my river is my own, and I have made it for myself. But I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales, and I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers, and all the fish in your rivers will stick to your scales and I will leave you in the wilderness, you and all the fish of your rivers, and you shall fall on the open field. You shall not be picked up or gathered. And I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and and to the birds uh, of the heavens. And and so here we see that uh, that Ezekiel now compared uh, Pharaoh to this uh, great um, crocodile this great monster reptile there in the uh, in the river who who has said uh, my river is my own now the the Nile river w- was the source uh, of uh, of all of Egypt's greatness it provided the the rich soil that uh, that comes along its banks we see that it was just this Continuous supply of water, so it irrigated the crops and and it was able then to to take care of all of the the animals and all it was the means of transportation that made it possible for egypt then to uh, to bring its its harvests to market and to move things uh, along the waterways and and there would be no greatness of. Uh, of egypt without the the nile now pharaoh was considered to be a god and, and therefore he thought of himself as as having created the nile this is my nile i am the one you know that have created it but pharaoh is gonna is gonna learn that he's no match for the true creator god here and and so he says now that uh, that i will put uh, hooks in your jaws and uh, and so uh, speaking of you know uh, of a crocodile hunter now you know he god is going to take and hunt this crocodile that uh, you know that thinks that it is you know of uh, uh, this god and he's going to put a hook right into its uh, jaw and, and he is going to drag this mythological god that lives there in the waters and and he's going to drag this this monster this crocodile out up onto the land out into a barren field and and there god is going to defeat him and this is where he would perish and and so and here we see that god in his judgment is declaring that he, he is going to defeat egypt despite her uh, her great strength we I see that, you know, Tyre was likened unto this ship uh, out onto the ocean. And and here we see that Egypt is likened unto this, you know, uh, to this beast uh, there that lives in the water. And in verse 6 it says, And then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord. And because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel, When they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and tore all their shoulders. And when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. And so here we see that uh, that when God brings this judgment, it says, then all the inhabitants of Egypt are are going to know that I am the Lord. And so this coming judgment on Egypt uh, now is ultimately going to bring them to the place where they recognize the and bow the knee to the true and the living God. And so false gods have uh, no power; they have uh, no authority, and. And so here we see that, uh, that now they are going to be made to know. He says that he is judging them. He says, because they have been a staff of Reed to the house of Israel, now a staff is that strong stick that you uh, that you hike with and and so this is saying that you know israel had had made a an alliance with them that they would come to their aid if Babylon came up against them and and so it says that they when they went to lean on you rather than a sturdy staff uh, uh, that you were a staff of reeds and reeds are just that tall grass uh, that there is that uh, that blows uh, in the waters and uh, and so you just crumpled you just you were not there for them egypt was good at making promises and then had a reputation of not fulfilling those promises and uh, and so when babylon did come up uh, egypt made a uh, uh, a, a pretense of seeking to come to their aid and to mm, deliver them but uh, but they did not mm, truly engage and uh, and so here we see that uh, that they are declaring that you were a reed uh, a staff of reed and uh, and so and when they leaned on you you broke uh, uh, and so she leaned but mm, Egypt, and let her down like a reed and splintered and broken. Verse 8, And therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off from you man and beast, and the land of Egypt shall become desolate and waste, and then they will know that I am the Lord, because he said, The river is mine and I have made it. And so we see the pride now the the river is mine I have made it and and so God here declares through Ezekiel that he is going to bring a sword upon them because of Egypt's false promises to support in Judah God said that he was going to punish now the Egyptians by the sword and Egypt would become desolate And so God's judgment would come through the sword of warfare and it would lay waste to both man and beast. Babylon is going to come down and is going to destroy. Egypt is going to lay it waste and take them into captivity as well. Verse 10, and indeed, therefore, I am against you and against your rivers, and I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate, "'From Migdal to Syene, as far as the border of Ethiopia, "'neither foot of man shall pass through it, "'nor foot of beast pass through it, "'and it shall be uninhabited forty years. "'And I will make the land of Egypt desolate, "'in the midst of the countries that are desolate, "'and among the cities that are laid waste.' "'Her cities shall be desolate forty years, "'and I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations "'and disperse them throughout the countries.'" And so uh, here we see that just as the, the leaders and the people of Judah were gathered and, and were conquered and then scattered, so also would this happen to the uh, Egyptians. God promised that he was going to disperse them throughout the countries. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, after he had uh, conquered Egypt, he took great numbers uh, of captives back uh, to Babylon. And yet, verse 13 Thus says the Lord God, at the end of 40 years, I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples among whom they were scattered, and I will bring back the captives of Egypt and cause them to return to the land of Pathros, to the land of their origin, and there they will be a, a lowly kingdom, and it shall be the lowliest of kingdoms. It shall never again exalt itself above the nations, for I will diminish them, so that they will not rule over the nations any more, And no longer shall it be the confidence of the house of Israel. But will remind them of their iniquity. When they turned to follow them. And then they shall know. That I am the Lord God. And so the. Egyptian captives are going to be allowed to return and back uh, home again uh, during the reign of Cyrus of, of Persia, who defeats the uh, Babylon in 539. This is about 33 years after Nebuchadnezzar's attack and so the additional seven years of the people returning and rebuilding and and this now fulfills that 40 years of desolation here that Ezekiel is talking about. But it says that it shall be the lowest of the kingdoms. And though God is going to allow Egypt to return back to their land, Egypt is never going to ever come to that place of power that that she once had. And so, uh, after Persia's rise to power, Egypt never again during biblical times became a a major international power. We um, see that uh, she tried to exert herself uh, uh, afterwards, but in Greece and Syria and the Roman Empire, all of those uh, conquered uh, and reconquered and conquered again in Egypt. And so, uh, Egypt never again ever returned back to its place of uh, of prominence. During the time that Ezekiel is writing this, the power and the might of Egypt, Egypt's pyramids during this time had stood for 2,000 years, the glory of their cities and of their civilization. Think about that. Pyramids that stood for 2,000 years. We're a nation that's only 200 years old, a over 200, 250 years old. 2,000 thousand years of their civilization their cities their culture their influence their power and they were a world power but uh, after the judgment uh, upon them uh, though they exist even today they are not a a world power they are uh, not anything like what they were at one time in their glory days and and that's exactly here what the word of god um, said and so we see that, that history shows the complete fulfillment of this mm, prophecy. And, and once again, you know, the Lord is against those who do harm to his people. Uh, the, the promise all the way back to mm, Abraham that God is going to bless those that bless the nation of Israel and God is going to be against those that are against the nation of Israel. And, and so and here we see the, the judgment now that was brought upon in Egypt when Egypt had entered into a compact with the nation And then they backed out of it uh, when they had agreed to come and to uh, help deliver them from the Babylonians and they they didn't come. And so we see that Babylon is going to come and it's going to to plunder Egypt here. And, And this second prophecy beginning here in verse 17. And it came to pass in the 27th year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, I'm saying. So his second prophecy against uh, Egypt came in the uh, in the twenty seventh year, in the first month, on the first day. This is the uh, the latest dated prophecy that we have in the book of uh, Ezekiel, and so uh, we see here that uh, that it is written much later than the first one. It skips uh, all the way, and it is the latest prophecy, the last. Uh, of the prophecies, dated prophecies that, uh, that we have. And, and this prophecy now was written shortly after Tyre surrenders to Babylon and they surrender in, in 572 B.C. So uh, here it says, Son of Man, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 18, King of Babylon caused his army to labor strenuously against Tyre and every head was made bald and, and every shoulder rubbed raw. Yet neither he nor his army received wages from Tyre for the labor which they expended on it. And so here you remember how Tyre had been sieged for all of those years, 13 years they had besieged the the city of Tyre. It says that the the men's heads were bald. Every head was made bald. It was made bald. You know, what it was made bald by their helmets that's the soldiers helmets uh, rubbing on their heads and and it made them uh, bald and it says in their and their shoulders uh, now uh, were uh, were rubbed raw and so uh, that speaks now of wearing their uh, the uh, their armor and also of carrying the the wood and the stone uh, and for the siege mounds and and all and so uh, nebuchadnezzar had worked hard he had dug his heels And so, you know, 13 years uh, he is trying to to destroy, you know, uh, Tyre until he eventually, you know, does. But uh, when he does, there was very little loot. That was uh, in the city itself. Now, normally, what you did is you paid the soldiers with the loot uh, from the cities that you conquered and, and captured. So, so Nebuchadnezzar finally does, uh, you know, uh, take down Tyre. That was the uh, the coastal Tyre. He never did get out to the island in Tyre. The wealthy people had departed; they had taken their gold with them and and had escaped, and and, and now he gets next to nothing out of this so now in order to pay his soldiers he decides let's go down to egypt and plunder egypt and then i will be able to take egypt's gold and all and i will be able to to pay my soldiers here and and so back to where every head was bald and every shoulder rubbed raw yet neither he nor his army "...received wages from Tyre for the labor which they expended on it. And therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take away her wealth, and carry off her spoil, and remove her pillage. And that will be the wages for his army. And I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor." because they worked for me, says the Lord God. Uh, And so uh, here it is uh, interesting that uh, here it says, God says that I have given him the land of Egypt for uh, his uh, labor. But uh, notice that on this we uh, see that prompted by the economic necessity of what had happened in entire this was the uh, the motivation that God used to pull him down uh, into Egypt and to direct him there but really he says the reason that he brings them down you know to Egypt is because he says because they worked for me, says the, uh, the Lord God. It was God uh, who was paying Babylon now uh, to attack to Egypt. And so there was, a, in a real sense, uh, a way in which Nebuchadnezzar and the, uh, the armies of, of Babylon uh, worked uh, for God as an instrument of, uh, of his judgment. And he says, and in that day, I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring forth, and I will open your mouth to speak in their midst, and then they shall know that I am the Lord. And so here Ezekiel says that I, you know, God says to Ezekiel that I will open your mouth to speak in their midst, and and, and so this uh, seems to mean that Ezekiel now. Uh, you know there was skepticism that was directed towards uh, ezekiel and and that is going to be removed you remember how you know they were saying that ezekiel is the false prophet and the the prophets that said that you know no we're all going to be delivered out of babylon we're all going to go back home and stuff and so ezekiel was always battling the the issue of being a false prophet but here it seems that now finally that they are going to come to regard him as a true prophet and so chapter 30 we see here that uh, unlike his other prophecies Ezekiel doesn't date this one Uh, this is going to stress now uh, Babylon's judgment on Egypt and also uh, upon her allies and And so, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, prophesy and, and say, thus says the Lord God, wail and woe to you this day, for the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, and it will be a day of clouds, the time of the Gentiles, and the sword shall come upon Egypt, and great anguish shall be in Ethiopia when the slain fall in Egypt and they take away her wealth and her foundations are broken down and so woe woe to the day the day here refers to the uh, the time of god's uh, judgment and and we see both Israel and, and also Judah experienced a, a day of God's judgment when they were punished for uh, their sins. Uh, we see that this day of judgment is also going to uh, extend to Egypt. Egypt is going to be uh, defeated by Babylon. Uh, and we see the, the final day is yet to come the day of the lord and that is when uh, when god is going to put down all sin wherever it is uh, found and 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 so the these lesser days uh, now all become patterns for the uh, the final judgment the final day of the lord but we see here that, that the day is coming near when the sword shall come upon Egypt. And so uh, judgment was going to come upon Egypt in the uh, form of the sword. Now, uh, we see that uh, war, the sword of war, uh, is going to be the, uh, the form in which the sword is going to come upon Egypt. In verse 5, Ethiopia, Libya, Lydia. All the mingled people, Chub and the men of the lands who are uh, allied shall fall with them by the sword. And so here we see it's not just Egypt, but also Egypt's allies that are going to be caught up in the judgment against uh, Egypt. And Egypt had a lot of soldiers that were hired uh, and, into them, mercenary soldiers that, that were from uh, other armies and other nations, and so uh, here we see the men of the lands, uh, uh, and we also see now the various different uh, nations that are all mixed uh, together. In here we see that in verse six uh, that it says, "And thus says the Lord: Those who uphold Egypt shall fall." and the pride of her power shall come down from Migdal to Syene. Those within her shall fall by the sword, says the Lord God, and they shall be desolate in the midst of the desolate countries, and her cities shall be in the midst of the cities that are laid waste. And so... We see here the pride of her power shall come down. And so Egypt and her rulers were well known for their pride. And so God is going to uh, humble them. God promised to uh, to bring this pride and the proud ones down. And then they will know that I am the Lord. When I have set a fire in Egypt, dollar helpers are destroyed. And on that day messengers shall go forth from me in ships to make the careless Ethiopians uh, afraid. And great anguish shall come upon them as on the day of Egypt, for indeed it is coming. He says here, then they will know that I am the Lord. Egypt's allies uh, are going to be crushed and the cities where they had settled are also going to be ruined. And the destruction is going to force the nations now to acknowledge the God who had declared uh, their downfall. And so the fulfillment of these is going to demonstrate that God is the one that is behind it. When I have set a fire in Egypt, we see that fire is a common figure in the scriptures for uh, war and its ravages. In verse 10, thus says the Lord God, I will also make a multitude of Egypt to cease by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with him, the most terrible of the nations, he and his, shall be brought to destroy the land. And they shall draw their swords against the Egypt and fill the land with the slain. And I will make the rivers dry and sell the land into the hand of the wicked. And I will make the land waste. To all that is in it, by the hand of aliens, I, the Lord, have spoken." And so by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of uh, Babylon. It is just interesting the way in which God takes this uh, this Gentile pagan king and then he uses him uh, as his instrument uh, of uh, judgment upon these uh, other nations. And and, and so uh, here we see that uh, that now uh, he says that you know I have spoken by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of uh, Babylon. So God selected Babylon, one of the most ruthless nations, to accomplish uh, his uh, judgment. And, and it says that not only Babylon, but he and his people with them, in the most terrible of the nations. And so Nebuchadnezzar is not going to come by himself. He's going to be accompanied by his troops and in a host of, uh, of all of these foreign forces. And and so, and here now as we move into this 13th verse, we're going to see that Ezekiel is going to name now uh, the many places in Egypt that is going to be destroyed. No major city is going to escape the, the judgment or the uh, the wrath uh, here of God. And thus says the Lord God, I will also destroy the idols and cause the images to cease from Noth, and there shall no longer be princes from the land of Egypt. And I will put fear in the land of Egypt. And I will make Pathros desolate and set fire to zone and execute judgments in, in no. And so God here had sent plagues to Egypt, you will remember. And and now each plague had been directed against one of the, the idols. He says here, I will destroy the idols, the mm, idolatry that God is going to destroy. We see hundreds of years later, God promises that he is going to again destroy the idols by bringing judgment to into, uh, the land. He says in verse 15, I will pour my fury on sin, the strength of Egypt, and I will cut off the multitude of no." and set a fire in Egypt and Sin shall have great pain and No shall be split open and Noph shall be in distress and daily and so here we see these in three territories that uh, he is talking about Sin and No and Noph uh, and they are going to be distressed the young men of Avon and Pi Beseth shall fall by the sword and these cities shall go into captivity And at Tahaphanes, the day will also be darkened when I break the yokes of Egypt there, and her arrogant strength shall cease in her. And as for her, a cloud shall cover her, and her daughters shall go into captivity and thus I will execute judgments on Egypt and then they shall know that I am the Lord. And, and so we see here that Ezekiel is, you know, taking the time to mention the major cities that God is going to bring this uh, judgment uh, upon and and so he likens it to these clouds and uh, and as the clouds kind of herald an approaching storm, we see here that uh, that so also are the clouds going to herald the coming judgment and the major cities are going to be destroyed and the people that are in the villages they're going to end up being taken into captivity it says and then they shall know that i am the lord and so god is going to reveal himself through these judgments and and so the people would know that the god of israel that he is the lord and god now we come to a, a proclamation against a Pharaoh. It says, And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and so uh, we see Ezekiel's uh, fourth now of his seven prophecies against Egypt is given. He dates it the 11th year in the first month on that uh, seventh day. And so April 29th to 587 BC, this is about four months after Ezekiel's first prophecy that uh, he writes that was against uh, Egypt. And so uh, the first prophecy has signified the time when the forces of Egypt are going to, uh, to to go out to rescue Israel from Babylon. And the fourth prophecy was recorded after the Babylonians now had already defeated uh, Egypt. And so the, uh, the Egyptians now had, had come up. They had made a faint-hearted attempt to try and break the siege of Babylon uh, around uh, in Jerusalem in Judah. But uh, the Egyptian forces were easily defeated and they quickly uh, departed here. Uh, and so now uh, it says in verse 21 Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And see, it has not been bandaged for healing nor a splint put on it to bind it to make it strong enough to hold a, a sword so here we see that Nebuchadnezzar breaks the arm of Egypt so that they're not able to defend Judah from uh, Babylon and so the uh, the the damage was done but Egypt's arm symbolizes the strength. Uh, and so it says that there wasn't even a splint put on it that would make it now strong enough to be able to hold the sword. We see that Babylon is going to go and take care of Egypt in Egypt to right now having defeated the uh, the, the, the army there that had come to try and break out In Jerusalem, we see that they suffered the the loss that now uh, speaks of as having a, a broken arm. And therefore, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, Surely I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will break his arms, both the strong one and the one that was broken. And I will make the sword fall out of his hand. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. And I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand. But I will break Pharaoh's arms and and he will groan before me with groanings of a mortally wounded man. And so God is going to destroy uh, Egypt uh, and he is going to take now and strengthen the arm of Egyptians, of of Egypt's foe, uh, which is Babylon. So he's going to strengthen Babylon's uh, arm uh, and Pharaoh is going to groan like a a mortally wounded man uh, as they are defenseless before the Babylonians. Uh, And so Ezekiel here really is contrasting uh, now the defeat that was suffered by Egypt to the broken arm with the future one that is going to be the complete destruction where both of their arms are going to be uh, destroyed. And so uh, that is going to come later. In verse 25, thus I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries and then they shall know that I am the Lord. And so, when Nebuchadnezzar attacks uh, Egypt, she is going to uh, to fall, uh, and then God is going to disperse the uh, Egyptians among the nations, and and Egypt is going to follow Judah then uh, into exile. And he says, "And I will scatter uh, the Egyptians among the nations." And so. Uh, we see this prediction of scattering uh, is repeated uh, here uh, for emphasis. God uh, is going to do this and, and through this he is going to reveal himself among the nations. He says once again that they shall know that I am the Lord. And so we see the the judgments upon um, Egypt and And as we had talked at the beginning, how Egypt is representative of the uh, of the world, it is representative of um, carnality, And, and and it brings about as we examine ourselves, you know, the that what is your relationship with the world, what is the degree of of carnality, what does a carnal Christian look like, what does that look like? And so we see the the various uh, different calls that we have from God. God calls us to depart from Egypt, to leave Egypt, and, and so we are to be fully christ-minded but you know there is that that challenge that struggle of you know trying to keep one foot in the world and then one foot in the kingdom and and that is what that carnal christian looks like it is a, a person that is battling listen over the full surrender of their will to god It is a person who is struggling to to keep control over their life. The the battle looks like this. There, There is the recognition that Jesus is my Savior. I get that part. I, I love that part, in fact. You know? Jesus died for my sins, and because of what he did on the cross, I'm going to heaven, my uh, sins are washed away, and, and, and now you know I'm a child of God. And so I, I'm thankful for what Jesus did. But it is that lordship side. It's Jesus as Savior, no problem. Jesus as Lord. It is the surrender of our will. To the will of the Father. You remember how you know Jesus said, Not my will, but but thy will be done. That is that battle in the Garden of uh, of Gethsemane. And and that is our own battle. God calls us to holiness. And the world calls us into moral compromise and, and moral decay and debauchery, and partying, and, you know, and living the life, and, you know, and be your own person, and live your life according to your rules. It is when we are seeking to make a name for ourselves, rather than seeking to make Jesus famous. When we are trying to build our kingdom instead of building the, uh, the kingdom of God, it is when we are trying to, to have a foot in both directions and, and we can't serve two masters. Jesus said that, that, that you can't serve two masters, that you can't be in two places at, at once. It, it's the person that, that wants to have a foot in the kingdom and then wants to know just how holy do i have to be you know to to still be in the 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 kingdom of god rather than seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and and all of these things are going to be added unto you and, and so there is that that place that 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 we get to when we're you know we 're saved, but yet we 're not yet sanctified, our hearts aren't yet fully directed unto the lord and and there is that coming out come completely come out. Of Egypt. Don't return back into it. It says that a dog returns back into its vomit to know what you have been saved out of and the cost and the price for which you have been purchased and and redeemed. And so that that downward spiral of sin of where temptation enters in and then i and then i fall into that sin and you know and then i i feel terrible about it and then i uh, repent and then i'm forgiven and then i'm restored and then i'm tempted and then i fall again and i you know i keep going through this this downward cycle here of uh, of sin god will forgive you but but it is that having to feel that conviction having to feel you know the, the way in which god didn't intend you were intended to be victorious you were intended to conquer Egypt to depart from it and satan and the world will be crushed underneath christ's foot and you are more than conquerors god didn't cause you to live in this place of uh, of defeat and forgiveness and defeat and forgiveness and defeat and forgiveness he, he called you to live from glory to glory to glory that you would continue to grow in the grace and the the knowledge will we sin yes we will stumble but we will stand back up and we will learn and we will then avoid it next time and we will continue to walk in this sanctified state. You know, we're not going to look back at the at the world and to say, man, you know, look at all that I've had to sacrifice in order to be a Christian. (laughs) You know, look at all that I I have to give up. It is look at all that I have gained. It it, it is look at the joy. Look at it in his presence. Listen, In his presence is the fullness of joy. And when you're seeking that joy, that fullness of joy, when you're seeking it anyplace else, you're seeking it in the wrong places. You're seeking it in the world. You're looking in in Egypt for the answers uh, now that are found in the presence of of Christ. Jesus said that if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. You're going to thirst again. When you go to Egypt and you try and be satisfied with the the things that the world has, the things that Egypt has, the the baubles and the trappings and and all of the things to amuse you, you, you are going to thirst again. But be still and know that I am God. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after thee, after you. It is that turning our back on Egypt. It is pressing forwards and forgetting those things that are behind and I press on to the upward high calling of Christ and Jesus in my life. And so may we learn the lessons of Egypt and of the world. May we be finished and done with the world May we be finished and, and done with, with sight and walking and smooth knees and colorless dreams. And, and, and may we now seek the fullness of what you were intended for, to climb up high upon the mountains of God and to see vistas that God desires to, to show you. As you turn your back on the things of the, of the world and as you focus fully, on what Christ uh, has before you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us and Jesus, for your willingness to come and to redeem us. And so, Lord, would you help us to, to turn away from this world And that, Lord, as we worship You and as we come into that place of of proximity to You, that the things of this world just fade away. May they just fade away from our hearts. And God, may we continually be pulled ever further, ever deeper into Your love, into Your grace, and into Your presence. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.